No, last time you were on the show, we, we spoke about social media, and now we're going to be talking about Eurovision. I feel like these episodes where you special guests are getting further and further away from the subject of politics and just deeper into the realms of shit Donald just really is he's just really into. I just like being on podcasts, Richie, and you're the only one I know that I can get on. And so here I am again. I mean, is that okay? I can't wait for the board game episode. I've been sending yeah. all these letters to Melvin Bragg for years trying to get on in our time and he just won't let me. So this is this is my one chance. Not another yeah, bloody next, letter. <laughs> the next episode we have you on is just going to be us doing DVD commentaries of Murder, She Wrote episodes. Oh my God, yeah. I'll, I'll find some political you leverage for that. You should see the joy in his eyes after you suggested that. I think YouTube may have its new hit series. Uh, well, wouldn't that be marvellous? Um, no, there, there is a politics here. No, there really is. I promise in this case that there's, it's a symbolic politics more than a, whatever the regular kind of politics is, but, but Eurovision literal is... literal politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> things play out through the medium of song uh, and staging and fights and ridiculous uh, kind of, you know, international pettiness in, in, in Eurovision that sort of mirrors how politics works, I guess. And then some not pettiness as well. Yeah. Good stuff. So in, guy, in case you guys hadn't noticed, we have uh, Dr. Donald Mulligan, PhD, BSc, DTF back on the show. Hello again. Yeah. <laughs> you, may <remember> <laughs> him as you may remember him as Dr. Twitter from our What I'm Social Media episode. Professor hashtag. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Uh, but today he's taking off his professorly tweed jacket with the leather elbow patches and putting on his most glitteriest, most fantastical sequence studded tuxedo. I really wish I had one of those. I actually would wear it on Saturday night for the Eurovision. <laughs> maybe there's time. I'll whip up the sewing machine in the meanwhile and we'll see. That's maybe, another thing maybe. that he can guess as well. We got to go do the uh, costume episode too. Yeah, when we do the sewing special. Uh, I feel like I'm a stereotype now. Wait, what is this? This is entirely of my own making, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't push you into any yeah, of these, Total. Oh well. um, but yes, Eurovision, the, the international most watched piece of television uh, worldwide every year. Uh, really? The Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, like the Super Bowl or Well, you see, Oscars this is American or... narcissism for you, this idea that it must be something American <laughs> that's the most watched. No, 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 no. Hundreds of millions of Europeans coming together through song. But and... even like the World Cup or something? Like the World Cup Okay, finals? probably the World Cup. I don't know. It's only over four years, whatever. <laughs> I guess the final of the World Cup is probably more. But I'm, I'm actually just realizing that I read that on some bullshit website as well. I'm doing what I give out to my own students for doing and just half remembering a fact and citing it as real, so... Don't worry, it's it's a podcast. I mean, we do actually, oh no, wait, do worry because you set up with Jer that website for us to be yeah, corrected yeah. and now you come back on to get corrected. Yes. Oh well, Jer, Jer can figure that out for me. No, I think it, it usually on perhaps not World Cup years, it is one of the most watched, if not the most watched piece of television of the year is the final of the, the Eurovision Song Contest. And it is imminently upon us. It is happening on uh, from us next Saturday, but I'm not sure when, is this airing before the thing so well, people will get yeah. a... Fantastic. Yeah, We're going to prepare probably, them for the, the big event. Yeah. Then. This will be yeah. should be in the feeds by Tuesday, so the guys will be able to get the uh, knockout stages well, as well. Brilliant. Well, there are two semifinals on Tuesday and Thursday, so that's yeah, that's ah, an exciting time, time to, to tune in and see who's going to get into the final. Nice, nice. Uh, Steve, are we going to do an uh, what I'm happening news segment first? Yeah, we'll do we'll we do a super into... quick one. Um, sure. Luckily, the UK election has proved to be very boring so far. Basically, the Labour Party continued to collapse. Um, Theresa May continues to dominate everyone, cheat. There were council elections last week, which kind of give an insight as to what the vote could happen. And uh, very interestingly, UKIP basically 
lost all 61 of the seats that they were contesting. Um, they didn't manage to get anybody re-elected and didn't manage to get anybody forward in new. Um, mm-hmm. And all those votes seem to have gone to the Conservatives. So it looks like that will probably play out the same way on June the 6th unless something dramatic and drastic happens before then. Um, I'm sure we're going to do another episode or two before that and then another one yeah. digesting it. Uh, today, on we're recording on Sunday, so the French are having their second round, final round, super-duper election special. Um, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen are fighting it out to find out who gets to be head honcho in France. Uh, I think Macron was leading 20 points in the lead after the debate last week because he kind of fell back at the start and people were kind of worrying that his momentum had been lost and and Marine might be able to kind of climb up and beat him in like an underdog beats overdog kind of contest. But it would be very, very surprising if it doesn't turn out that he ends up the president, which as people who don't hate people from other countries and proto-fascist cryptid parties taking over European nations and taking people out of the European Union, it's probably going to be a good thing for us all. So, yeah, I don't think a lot of those people are in our demographic. So, yeah, <laughs> probably not. We've I think we we weeded them out pretty early, and plus Macron is like he's really dreamy and easy on the eyes. So it's going to be pretty good to have another good-looking politician walking around the world. He's the Justin Trudeau of Europe, is he? Yeah. Is that what he's known as? <laughs> I don't know. Is that the, is <laughs> he that is now. You heard it he here first, be, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, I'm going to have to correct myself because when we did the Trump's 100 Days things, we talked about how the Republicans didn't pass their repeal of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as everyone else except for Richie calls it. And uh, I said that, obviously, I said at the time that they definitely wouldn't have a chance of getting it out, but they've gone ahead and they must have listened to the podcast and Paul Ryan was like, fuck that Steve guy, I'm going to go ahead and pass the repeal in the House, and they did. So, so far, they managed to get it through the House of Representatives, which is only one half of Congress. They still have to get it through the Senate, and that's going to be another huge, tough battle. But they're kind of celebrating as if they have repealed Obamacare, but they haven't. And it isn't likely that what they want is going to actually get through the Senate. So there's going to be more dramatic battles happening over that. So unfor- when does that happen? When does the does it go to the Senate? I don't think you can say really because it's up to the Senate. Um, they're probably going to have like background negotiations before they're confident and put it to a vote. So it may be right. the same thing because the first time it happened, there wasn't actually a vote. They just knew that they wouldn't get the votes to pass it. So it never got presented to the floor for a vote. So the same kind of thing is going to happen with the Senate now. If they think that they have the votes to pass it tomorrow, It'll go ahead tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. So it'll be a couple of weeks and, and then it may not even go for a vote. Who knows? Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's a speedy roundup of what's been going on. So we should get to the really important part now and talk about funny people wearing funny clothes, singing funny songs and funny languages. This is the part of Richie where you edit in the Eurovision theme. So it, it should swell behind Steve as he begins to say that in the, in the final edit. That, consider it done. It's Charpentier's Te Duem, it's called. It's very good. It's a lovely, like, big, bombastic classical piece. I do actually know it. It is yeah, really awesome. It's a, it's a good piece, actually. Do you, do you just, like, listen? Is that how you start every morning, Donald? Rising out of bed to that? If it's an important day and I know I need to go out there and do something, you know, so like my like PhD Viva and things like that. I, ah, I, Donald, you do something every day. <laughs> oh, thank you. Just by being here. <laughs> Um, but yes, it is It is coming uh, quickly upon us and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's my favourite weird event of the year. It's a, a thing that is just worth having a big party for every year because it is simultaneously ridiculous and fantastic and, mm-hmm. you know, it's everything that you want Europe to be about. It's a sort of coming together but making fun of one another but celebrating ethnicity and wearing silly costumes and singing memorable, catchy, awful songs and it's it's European joy. What's what we need more of these days, especially. And the gays love it. And the gays fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, interestingly, it, it aired for the first time uh, last year in America. They're not doing it this year, but uh, Logo TV, which is uh, the channel that RuPaul's Drag Race is on, the like gay TV channel in the US, uh, bought the rights to it last year. So they aired it for the first time over there uh, for an American audience, though I don't think Logo has the rights this year, so I'm not sure if it's airing in the States. But Richie, no doubt you can get some sort of a streaming thing from oh, Sweden or something. I, and yeah, I live in the Castro neighborhood in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like, on a big screen there. Yeah. But do, they, yeah, yeah, do, they, do they put it on? Do they celebrate it? Yeah, oh, oh for sure. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Sure. I didn't know that. Like that's San cool. Francisco is like a pretty gay city and Castro is like the gayest part of that gay yeah. city. So it's just like the epicenter for... I know, but I didn't, re- I didn't realize that Eurovision was actually like a transnational gay event. I didn't like... Yeah, I oh, think yeah. more so, particularly last year, it was a huge deal because again, it was... It was available to watch in a way that hadn't been before but people seek it out people have ways of, of, of watching it now there's I mean, certainly like super, everyone has Eurovision fever in the Castro that's so lovely wow, that's, that's symptoms really nice. include glitter covering every square inch of your body <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whenever you open your mouth to make a sound there's a dramatic key change towards the end oh my god I would love yeah. to hear all these guys mispronouncing all the Eastern European names and songs as well that would be even better you don't have to yeah. go there to hear us. They'll, we'll do it perfectly well in Ireland. Uh, Donald, do you want to plug your Eurovision party? Uh, are, are there many of your listeners who are coming along to Panty Bar in Dublin? Maybe there are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Every well, they year, definitely won't if they don't know about it. This started yeah. as a, a house party. So a few years ago, I'd always had this, this party for Eurovision. Eventually it got too big for my house. And very kindly, uh, Panty, who's a, a now quite famous drag queen, has a bar in Dublin called Panty Bar. And mm-hmm. so she said, here, put the party on here. So for, the, I think this is the ninth year I've had it in Panty Bar. We just have a Whoa. big, huge party there. And so we have big screens and show it. And nice. it's kind of like, it is like the Gay World Cup. It's the only time you see <laughs> gays being really jingoistic and painting their faces and waving flags and screaming. Not the flags of Ireland most of the time, but the flags of yeah. whatever country has the gayest song. Uh, usually Sweden, <laughs> well done Sweden. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a weird thing to, to actually see that because, you know, even during big matches or whatever, you see every other bar has, has people with painted faces, but the only time you see flags come out in Panty Bar really is Pride or Eurovision. Yeah. I like that. So use use promo code what I'm politics at the door to get a free shot taken from Donald's belly button. <laughs> okay. Am I That's legally committed to that now? I probably am. Yeah, no, it's, it's committed to ones and zeros. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll do it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's the kind of thing that no matter where you are, you should watch and watch with alcohol and with friends because it's just it is just a silly, joyous, nice thing to you know sit in front of a television and see. So, Donald, how did it start and how did it become so popular? Like, what are the origins of it? And how did Australia get to join? Yeah, yeah the, the Australian thing is especially thing. weird. We'll get to that at the end, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very that's very recent history. That's only yes. been two years now. Um, it started actually. There was a, a, a contest in San Remo uh, in Italy called, I think, the San Remo Song Contest or something like that in 1951. And this, uh, you know, in the the 50s, there was still the the idea of the European project coming together and what would later become the EEC and all that. And at that point, they wanted to have this unifying event. And so the San Remo formula of having, I think the the Italian contest had just the neighboring countries put in a song. And so they, they made it a little bit bigger again. And so the first Eurovision was in 1956. So uh, last year actually was the, the 60th anniversary of it. And there were some celebrations of, of that at the, the contest then. So it's been around quite a while. But in the early days of it, it was just a, a fairly small affair. It was extremely... Uh, dignified for a long time. It was the 50s and 60s, I guess. Uh, but even through the 60s and 70s, when, you know, there was there was that rock music going around in other places, there certainly wasn't at Eurovision. It was still very much a lady in a frock singing with an orchestra behind her. And they insisted on there being a live orchestra until relatively recently. 
When it became a man in a frock singing with the live orchestra. Fuck yeah. And we'll come to that too. That's an important part of it. But uh, yeah, so it's, gone, it's grown out of that. It's grown out of this idea, that, much like the rest of the European project, that culturally you can bring people together across Europe. And, you know, in, in the aftermath of the Second World War, anything that was doing that was a good idea. And this was a sort of a, a cultural project to do that. Now it's become this massive, ludicrous entertainment event and has, you know, lots of countries that are not technically within... Uh, Europe at all in it at this point. It's managed by a thing called the EBU, the European Broadcasting Union, which isn't geographically just Europe, but also North Africa and parts of the Middle East. So that's why you'll see Israel in there, for example, or why you'll see Azerbaijan and places like that competing in it too, because they're part of that EBU area. But Australia, they're just taking the fucking piss. They <laughs> they love it. It's it's a massive television event in Australia. Australia has this weird, again, a huge gay community in Australia probably drove a lot of this. Um, and there's and a special love of, of ABBA in Australia. Mm. I don't know if you've seen Muriel's Wedding and those kind of films, but there's a lot of ABBA music in the cinema of Australia. And I think there's just culturally a big love of ABBA there. And as you probably know, or uh, hopefully Richie can shove in a little sample of it, Waterloo by ABBA was a Eurovision song and one for Sweden. Um, and so because Eurovision has that ABBA connection and because it also has this kind of gay, ridiculous, fun pop thing happening. Loads and loads of Australians watch it and they still, it's on in the middle of the night for them. So they have these all night parties to watch it in Sydney and Melbourne. In the last few years, they've just campaigned and campaigned to be in there. So uh, they did an interval act uh, three years ago. And then in the last two years, they've just actually entered something into the contest. So they came second last year. They almost won. And, <laughs> yeah, that's because everyone wanted to go to Australia the next year. This is the thing. They're not allowed to host it. So the, the thing is, if Australia wins, obviously you can't have the Eurovision Song Contest happen in Australia. Well, I don't know so, why you say obviously because Australia are in in the first place. I know. None of this makes sense. But obviously, <laughs> according to the rules. Uh, no, they, they had this. Uh, this was the principal objection to allowing them in in the first place was if they hosted it, the time difference and the travel and blah, blah, blah. So their deal is that if they do win, they will host it in a European city of their choosing. So it will basically be their gift to some particular European country. So it will almost certainly be the UK, really. But there's a small chance it might be Ireland. So there's this kind of hope going on amongst a lot of people. I know that this is the only fucking chance we have of ever seeing yeah. Eurovision in Dublin again, is if Australia gifted to us, because our songs are so shit recently that we won't get it ourselves. Um, yeah. So there, there's a, a mild hope that the Aussies will give us Eurovision back. When you said Ireland don't really have a chance of winning, is that just because our songs are shit? Or is that because there's like these idea of voting blocks coming in from other countries kind of backing each other like that? Well, both. I mean, really, <laughs> our songs are, are utter shit. I mean, uh, we, we have for a long time, uh, uh, to, to give some history, which I think is important for the context of this, Ireland has won it the most of any country. We used to win it and all the time. I grew, did, up, I grew yeah. up with them winning it all the time. This is the thing, me too. Yeah, so the, the mid-90s in particular, we were winning it every year. In fact, there's there's a time at the in, in uh, 1994, I think, where the announcer says, you know, welcome to what has almost become the Eurovision Song Contest from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and she gives this little nudge like, fuck you, other countries, we're going to just keep taking it from you. Um, but... Yeah, it became very expensive for Ireland to keep hosting it. We hosted it for three years in a row. Then it went to Norway for a year. Then we hosted it again. We won again in Norway and it came back to Ireland again. Um, and this was at a time, you know, pre-boom years in Ireland when we were pretty poor. So there was a lot of jokes about how the country would go broke trying to host the Eurovision. Well, that was the Father Ted joke, wasn't it? It was the Father Ted thing yeah. about it, yeah, yeah. But that yeah. was fairly widely discussed at the time of like how That was a great song, though. I mean, they should have won. That was an excellent song, the Father Ted song, yes, yeah. And had a lot of the kind of tropes of Eurovision in it, in fact, too. Um, but uh, yeah, so so because we have this history, we feel we're kind of over it a bit, I think. And 
a lot of the mistakes we've made over the years since then have been, we've been very complacent about it. We've put in joke songs. I mean, we put in Dustin the Turkey one year, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a puppet yeah. turkey for our, your American listeners. Uh, literally singing, making fun of it, singing in a shopping trolley. It was fucking insane. But it was funny to a small amount of people in Ireland who were laughing at how much we had won. But the rest of Europe were like, fuck you for making fun of this absolute institution that we all take very seriously. So um, we have never had that since. We've never taken it seriously again. So we tend not to have a national selection process. We tend just whoever, you know, Louis Walsh is currently chatting to just happens to be rolled out and sings a song. And we don't usually have a big thing of it. The Swedes, who have been winning an awful lot recently, and uh, they've currently got six wins. If they win this year, they will equal our record of seven. So we're, you know, we may not be as famous in it anymore. Okay, but they, so the voting this time is pro-Australia, anti-Sweden from the Irish side. Possibly, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think I think Sweden are actually going to get it this time, but we'll come to this year in a, in a few minutes. Um, but essentially, the yeah, the we we've lost our way. I think we've we've kind of forgotten how to do a good song, and we haven't put it in in a while. Um, anything that's that's useful. So there's a qualifying round, and then there's a, a final each year. We haven't qualified in many, many years at this point. Like we just, they, they're not taking us remotely seriously. This year, there's a small chance we might because our song is actually kind of Westlifey, And as much as we in Ireland are completely over Westlife, Germany especially is not. And continental <laughs> Europe seems to love that key changey thing that they do. And there's lots of that in the song. So possibly we may scrape into the final, but again, we have no chance of winning. Will we listen to that song now? Yes, let's put that in. It's quite beautiful. Okay. So yeah, so that's that's Ireland's attempt this year, and unbelievably, that's actually better than most of the attempts we've had in probably the last ten years. Well, what about really We've Got the World by Mickey Joe Hart? That's more than ten years ago, I'd say. Is at this it? Point. Oh yes, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we've we've put a lot of crap in in the last while, and none of it's been memorable, which is why you're you going back if, to Mickey if, Joe Hart. If we I'd got J Lo back, that and when I say J Lo, I mean Johnny Logan. <laughs> like if we if we went back to the early years, we could like recapture that magic if we just lent back into the old songs. Or do you think we've moved past that entirely? Um, yeah, no, we've, we've, we're well past that. So one of the uh, other things that, that Steve brought up there, which is really important, is this idea of block voting. And so Eastern Europe in particular, there are a lot of countries there now, and we're even well beyond Eastern Europe into West Asia when you talk about Eurovision. So Georgia and Armenia and Azerbaijan are all voting in there. So I'm pretty sure he made up two of those countries. <laughs> so those countries do not care for Johnny Logan as much as the likes of Germany and France still do. And certainly Ireland might have some nostalgia for him, but... These days, it tends to be, you know, a big pop song that, that wins usually. Now, last year was quite a strange example where um, they brought back jury voting. There's, this is really complicated. Should I talk about juries and how they figure into this? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Go so in the history of Eurovision, it was always until relatively recently uh, decided by juries who would win. So the juries of different countries would assemble. And one of the things that was always great about Eurovision is there's this voting period when all of the countries ring in. So you have... In the old days, an austere person would say, you know, this is Latvia calling. And then they would go through their votes and they would give their different amounts of points to the, the things that they wanted to, you know, big up that year. And then relatively recently in the sort of wake of Pop Idol and, you know, X Factor and these kind of shows, public voting was brought into the Eurovision. I'm not so, actually calling on that. When, really? Was yeah. it, was, when would public voting come in? Oh, um, relatively recently in the in the... 2000s, early 2000s. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I always thought it was way before that. No, no. It was still juries for quite a long time. And then they, they kind of switched over. Um, and 
it was the same thing as, as you do an X Factor, you text in and whatever. And uh, so for a while, it was wholly public voting and then they switch back and forth. And at the moment, it is a mixture. It's a 50-50 mixture of juries and public vote. And it means that you have to be both a kind of, you know, popular X Factory kind of big song that the public will like, but you also need to have something that the juries will like as well. So sometimes a song just happens to have both of those things just by being a good pop song. Um, but more recently, things that have a bit of a political kick, even though it's explicitly a non-political competition and not supposed to have any politics to it at all, they've been winning. So last year, this year, it's it's being hosted in uh, Kiev, and that's because last year Ukraine won. And Ukraine won with a song last year, which is one of the most dour songs I've ever heard in Eurovision. It, become, it begins with, the soldiers are coming, they come to your house, they kill all your family, they say they're not guilty. So this is not the kind of <laughs> hippity-hop happy song that you might imagine winning Eurovision. But it was still done like with a big flamboyant backdrop. and like It really was done with one of the best stagings I've ever seen in Eurovision. She had this fantastic... Th well, the thing with Eurovision now is uh, a few years ago it was hosted by, uh, by the Russians in Moscow when they won. And the year they hosted it, something like a third of all stage LCD screens were in use in just that venue. So they just basically <laughs> threw all of the money at Russia and made this unbelievably fantastic stage where everything on the stage was actually a television. And you could just walk on these like incredible, you know, high rise graphics and whatever. So that has kind of crept, crept in now. And there's a lot of those. And last year they did this. They used the, the staging to have fire shooting out of this woman as she sang. And it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> the staging was amazing looking. Um, but the song was uh, ostensibly about the Crimean Tartars, so the, the a group that in the, the Second World War were displaced. And, and uh, effectively, it was about a people in Crimea where soldiers came and took over their lands and threw them out. And so it had obvious echoes of the Crimean annexation recently by Russia. So this was a Ukrainian woman singing about the lands of the Crimea being taken away by foreign soldiers. And which so happened. Uh, which happened very ago, recently. A year and or two ago. Although she used a historical setting to get this into the contest, it was read for what it was. It was read as, as a kind of a, an anti-Russian song. And there's a vast, vast amount of anti-Russian sentiment in Europe generally, but especially in Eurovision for the past few years. So much so that anti-booing technology has had to be introduced at Eurovision for the last several years because the Russian acts are booed so heavily when they sing. Are the Russians going this year? No, no. So as part of this continuing nonsense between, uh, I, I say nonsense, I was when, when Russia that, actually did steal the Crimea, but <laughs> it's, it's nonsense when it gets played out through the medium of Eurovision, I think. Um, so this is what I mean about the symbolic politics of Eurovision. Um, the Russians, no, are not. They, they've pulled out this year because what they did was they deliberately sent an act that was in that contravened a rule that the Ukrainians brought in about uh, no act being allowed in the contest who had violated... Uh, a visitation to uh, the Crimean territories during the period that was annexed. So Ukraine has a general rule that you're not allowed into Ukraine if you have entered the Crimea since the Crimea was taken over. So it's basically a thing of, you know, to, to not recognize that the Russians hold the Crimea at the moment. And so the Russians sent someone who had done a concert tour of the Crimea uh, relatively recently. She's a Russian singer, but she's also in a wheelchair. So they sent someone who I think they thought would be, you know, someone that they couldn't bully, that they could be accused of bullying her in a wheelchair if they said anything about it or whatever. And so they deliberately, this is what they do quite a lot, the, the Russians, they're very calculated in the way they put things in and the sort of the 
the songs they choose. Basically, what Donald is saying is those sneaky Russians. Oh, they're they're terribly sneaky. They did this. They, this was a very provocative move on their part. So they chose someone who they knew would violate this rule in order to cause an incident. They hoped that the EBU, uh, the the broadcasting union that I mentioned, would back them up, and they didn't in the end. And there was a big kind of back and forth fight about it. But in the end, the Ukrainian law held and. It, the Russians just in protest left the contest. So, but did the Russians give like a final plea that they could video her in? No, that was offered by the EBU. The Russians oh. refused that actually. Oh. Yeah. So the EBU said, yeah, if if you insist on keeping this person, then we will do a satellite link, and it will be you know to the television audience they won't see the difference. But the Russians, clearly showing that this entire thing had been a ploy on their part, said, oh no, that's not what we want. We want her physically in the Ukraine because fuck the Ukraine. And so in the end, they just kind of took their toys and left. Yeah. So expect to see Russia vision happening fairly soon because Turkey already has that. There's a Turk vision competition. So what's yeah. that? Turk vision? It's it's just Turkey having their own Eurovision because they're pissed off. Why are right. Turkey aren't allowed to join? The Turkey are and in the in the past have been, but they haven't uh, joined recently. So now Turkey and a load of nearby nations take part in Turk vision. Who's do like nations double up and join with Turkey? Like okay, so you're saying the Turkey aren't in the Eurovision as it stands? I didn't even know that they left. They've left, oh, quite a few years ago now, yeah. yeah. They've why been did, in and out of the world. I actually don't know where they left, I'm not sure. Okay, probably something to do with the EU or something like that. But probably. And then, Man, you're right, this is surprisingly political. See? It really is, See? yeah. yeah. Well, I, knew, I, mean, I knew about the Russia, I knew about the Russia thing, okay, it's granted. I wouldn't exactly say it's 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 trivial for a, na- a host nation who is currently being invaded by Russia to not want them to join. I didn't even realise that they would have allowed, like if the Russia had sent a singer who hadn't entered the Crimea, yeah. then they probably could have been able to perform. Oh, they would have. They would certainly have been. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, the so. whole thing was was the playing out of a, a sort of power move between the two countries. And it but was, it wasn't it was, even between the two countries. Ukraine were just having this law that they have for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. then Russia decided to stomp all over that and then throw someone in that they couldn't and actually... This is in no way surprising <laughs> because yeah. it's Russia. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's the, there are many, many incidents, incidents... Fuck, it's really hard to say things when you're on a podcast, isn't it? Oh, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Where you see these kind of things happen. So um, another big like political thing that's that's permeated Eurovision for a long time is Israel is in Eurovision and Germany is in Eurovision. And, you know, there was <laughs> an unhappy past there, obviously. So um, only quite recently, for the first time, did Israel give 12 points, which is the most points you can give to a German entry. And this was seen as a watershed moment. And this is only about maybe six or seven years ago. So Lena, uh, who had a, a song uh, called Satellite, which again, you should play a little snippet of, it's quite a good song. That song was the first time that uh, Israel actually gave its 12 points to Germany. And that was seen as a sort of a healing moment between Israel and Germany, which is, you know, itself a, a kind of a big deal, really. And is it true? I always remember it used to be true. I don't know if it still is that Ireland never give the UK any points, and the UK usually give Ireland a lot of points. We we do give them some. We never give them twelve, certainly. So twelve is the most points you can give. So douze point is like the the big amount of points that you give to any country, and we would never dream of giving that to the UK. But the UK often gives Ireland uh, its top points, and um, usually we give them almost nothing. That's true. Uh, but recently, again, because of the homogenization of of pop music between Ireland and the UK, sometimes they've put in you know acts that we would recognise or so they put in the band five a few years ago and Ireland I think gave us a, a gift. Was it not blue? Was. was it blue? Sorry, God, you're right. It was blue. Well done. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're totally <laughs> yeah. correct. Yeah. All yeah. of those boy bands look the same, sorry. Uh, you're you're totally correct, it was blue. Um but it's the yeah, only but, time I will ever correct you on anything ever, don't That's fine. I, I welcome the correction, thank you. Um but yeah, so you're you're generally absolutely right though. Like it's again 
Historical conflicts play out through this. Countries that like each other give each other points. There's this uh, Scandinavian block of countries that Ireland has somehow wormed its way into. So we tend to benefit very strongly from... Vikings, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess, from from Iceland, from Norway and Sweden and Denmark. Um, But there are these these clear blocks that vote together. And there's particularly recently... um, the, the addition of Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, those kind of countries has meant that there's a very solid block over there that all tend to vote for the same uh, kind of music as well. So, again, depending on the kind of song, if you get something that's emblematic for a particular place or even better, if you get something that's a crossover song that works in two of those big blocks, it almost certainly wins. So one of the highest amounts of votes ever given was to uh, Fairy Tale, the song by uh, Norway a few years ago. So it was the guy with the fiddle. He was a Belarusian uh, Norwegian and so he played a kind of a, a sort of Easty melody on the fiddle while singing a pop song so it was like both Scandi and Eastern at the same time a fantastic idea It's like they built him in a laboratory just It to really, it really is just like yeah, yeah and it was like a cute little small you know guy in a suit or whatever um, so yeah yeah so there's a lot of that now there's a lot of deliberate attempts to take on the music or the beat or the, the sort of sometimes the dancing or the staging of another ethnic area in order to accrue points from there. And you see that quite blatantly. Does that ever, does, are there cultural appropriation blogs being written about that or has it not even been? There is so much academic writing about the erosion. It's it's very funny. I, I know, so, I mean, you know the way like the massive lashback about any kind of form of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, loads. Yeah, there's absolutely loads about it. But they it, don't yeah. care because they're going no, to... No, no, no. Why would they care? Because it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> um, they're not going to stop as well. So a lot of countries take this tremendously seriously, the exact opposite of, of what poor Ireland have been doing. Um, Sweden, as I say, they, they have... A, their most, and I'm certain on this one, their most watched piece of television every year is Melody Festivalen, which is the grand final of the, the Swedish pick a song for, for Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And so they have a six week system of rounds of songs and they go through this. And any of the throwaway ones, the thing that came last in week one would still be better than the Irish song every year. <laughs> but they go wow. through and they pick these fantastically good pop songs. And as you know, most great pop is coming from Sweden anyway. They're the producers of absolutely everything, including you know, all American pop music pretty much is written by two or three Swedish guys. Um, I, I didn't so, know that, actually. I was nodding, but no, I don't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, um, did you know that, Richie? You like music. I like. I, I knew there was like a trend in terms of producers, but I didn't know it was so high. I know Spotify comes from there. That's about it. Yeah, no, no. All of Britney Spears' songs and all the, like, going back that far, they're all written by the same, I can't remember the guy's name, but... Uh, Sven? <laughs> I think it's Max something. Uh, uh, but I who's the other name? Who's the other name, Richie? Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, I had like a 50% Lars? chance of getting it right. Larsen? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, Sweden is well associated with pop and has a rich kind of history of making pop music. And it takes this really fucking seriously every year. But so do lots of tiny countries. So tiny little countries like Malta have huge big grand finals and really take seriously the picking of their song. And they put in something they're very proud of. Have they ever won? Uh, Malta? No, I don't think so. Um yeah, not that I can remember. Certainly, they may have won in the 50s or 60s, and I, I don't know, but um, not recently anyway, no. Um, so, yeah, the, it's full of this kind of playing out of national stereotypes. It's full of the playing out of national politics of, you know, sometimes decades-long conflicts. And somewhere in that, you get these ridiculous, fantastic songs. Have there been any, like, okay, we've talked about, like, countries fighting countries, politics seeping into the Eurovision and causing rivalries. Are there any rivalries that just happen because of the Eurovision? So like countries Ooh. tearing lumps out of each other because they don't like what the other country's doing in the Eurovision. No, not really. I mean, Russia have got really pissed off every year that they haven't won. But that's so just because they're Russia. That's just Russia, yeah. I mean, so so really for the last several years, they've they've come second quite a few times and they've actually, they, they have won relatively recently in the last 
I don't know, seven or so years. Um, but they came second relatively recently in, I think, 20, 2015. But there actually. isn't like Portugal don't hate Poland because they did something to someone. No, like, okay. no, I don't think so. No, I don't think it is going to ever be the source of a war. <laughs> that's what you're hoping for I can it'll see be, in your eyes that you want to a war the great anything. song war of I'm 2020 not gonna lie, I hate cheesy pop music and I've never enjoyed it even, and I don't like watching things because they're bad so the Eurovision really doesn't stand out as a great cultural event for me but I can appreciate the political points which is why I want no, I want the next world war to be started by the Eurovision so it gets banned and we don't have to listen to it anymore the thing about it is I mean you get the odd good song in there but it is mostly awful music and I fully acknowledge this but that's that's not really the point. The point is to see this, you know, this fantastic staging to see that sort of silliness play out, to see what they'll do in terms of gimmicks and what the, you know, the, it, the infights that you'll get. It's pretty revolutionary from like an AV perspective and a production perspective, some of the stuff that they've done. Like they yeah, really yeah. kind of pushed the bar from a live production standpoint. Like do you yeah. remember the year that they had segways were like used to accentuate steady cam? So you had camera operator on a steady cam on a segway. Wow. Yeah. booting it down the alleyway, like the, <laughs> the aisle between seats and going up on stage, orbiting around a singer at 360 and then shooting off again. Like, that's incredible. I remember this specifically because this was the thing that you, as a cool person who knew about production, finally got into Eurovision over. Because for ages before this, I, I was your friend for a few years before this, and I was always talking about Eurovision. Yeah. And you were always thinking, what a weirdo I was. And only <laughs> at the point where you saw segues and cameras and cool production behind the scenes stuff where you're like, okay, this is something to take note of. Yeah. Um, but yes, they, they have they put these huge budgets into this amazing staging, the spider cams that they use now, which are these really fast moving zooming cameras that they have all around the, the, the stadium. These are, you know, they gave an amazing live show. It's really difficult to imagine when you when you actually see it, like the, the quick cuts and the, the smoothness of the edits for something that involves so much quick changing. This is, you know, 20 something songs, each of three minutes with almost no downtime between them. Mm-hmm. And then this international, you know, 27 or 28 countries or whatever it is. Actually, it's more than that now. So it's, it's 30 something all calling in their votes. And again, all done very, very smoothly. Like it takes a massive amount of work to pull this off. But there must have been yeah. some great gaffes. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always you know silly. Th- in fact, there's there's a lot of purposeful ones where oh, no, yeah they like they sort that, of no. they yeah to to play on the fact that things go wrong. They've they've had you know tear away costume reveals and like was that intended or not? These kind of things. Um, and there was a last year the the uh, Spanish song had a break halfway through the song, which was you know part of the song, but she fell during it. <laughs> But she, it was, you know, kind of a put on thing so that people would gasp and think, oh, my God, has it all gone wrong? But no, it was part of the song the whole time. <gasps> yeah, that didn't do that well. Though the song was actually pretty. I okay. thought you were going to say that they took a siesta, like in the song, to try to <laughs> point out that part <laughs> See, of the See, these culture. are the sort of national stereotypes that make your vision work. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's this year it's not as good as it has been in a few years. So last year it was a very, very high standard, and there was actually quite a few songs that any other year the top 10 last year would probably have won. This year it's a little bit more slow. But there are some highlights that I really, really want you to listen okay, to. Okay, so should we listen to the worst first? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and it's Romania. <laughs> um, it's actually not, this is not the worst song, but this is the most quintessential Eurovision. So what I talked about before in terms of combining, you know, the, the sound of somewhere else with something that you think is contemporary, Romania has taken yodeling and combined it with hip hop. <laughs> Press play. It's, you know, it's basically what Hamilton did. <laughs> it's so fucking terrible. It's called Yodel It! Exclamation. Yodel 
is one of the highlights from this year. So the worrying thing is, I think this is going to be in the top 10. I think that people are going to actually vote for this because every year, in addition to a fairly decent song making it, some gimmick song makes it. And this is probably the best stupid gimmick of this year is the idea of putting yodeling and hip hop together in this insane melange of crazy that they have. Is yodeling a Romanian thing? I think it's Austrian, isn't it? It's yeah, associated it's like it's with the Alps. Alps. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. Germanic Alps. But yeah. So, I mean, there's... Romania is uh, kind of far away from there. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to grab votes from somewhere else and be weird. And it certainly is weird. So, yeah, this is, yeah, this is Romania. I think probably somewhere between five and ten. I think it's actually going to do quite well. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones for, for this year, do you want to hear good ones or bad ones? Let's alternate between good and bad. Okay, let's let's listen then to to Belgium, which I want to win, but I don't think it will. This is a song by a 17-year-old girl, and I think she has the most fantastic voice for 17. It's kind of codaline which is weird. It has a sort of a contemporary rock feel. It's like yeah. nothing else that's been in Eurovision in many, many years. Um, and so it stands out a mile, but I think it's probably too low-key for people to care about. So this song, I think, probably it's done well in, in kind of polls and stuff like that. It has a, a Paddy Power and all of the different uh, betting companies maintaining Eurovision poll every year. And so it's done fairly well. It's in it's in the kind of top five in those as well. Um, but I think it's just, it's missing the oomph to, to really go, you know, all the way and, and win. Though last year, I would have said exactly the same thing about Jamala's song, the one that's the Ukrainian one that I, I talked about, about the Crimean War. Um, and I think this, if it's staged well, could actually do that. And the lyrics of the song are about looking out for someone like I'll hold your hand in the danger zone, this kind of thing. If they stage that with any allusion to refugees or something like this, this will just storm home, I think. So it just depends on how they put it on on the uh. night. And because of the jury and because of the public vote, so much now comes down to not just the song, but how is the song mediated and how is the song kind of put on on the, on the night. So it has that glimmer of possibility for me of, of actually getting there. Let's listen to the one, which is the one that Paddy Power and all of the other betting companies agree is the favourite, which is Italy. This is a man singing alongside another man who is dressed as a gorilla. <laughs> there in a sentence is Eurovision. <laughs> their justification for using the gorilla? I have no idea. I mean, it's it's Italy. They're, they're an esoteric people. Are they? I mean, yes. Okay. Man, I kind of love this. See? I am all yeah, about so this, this gorilla. Is, yeah, th this is the huge favourite to win. I mean, it's not even close to the second one after this. And it's because it is catchy, it's fun, it's just obviously like a silly song, and there's a man in a gorilla costume dancing beside him, so it's just bonkers. But it might it would be, be the most perfect song. I know, it's great. It would be significant if this won because this is in Italian, as you just heard. And so 
this would be the first time in many years that a song not in English has won. And so there's been this thing in the contest that uh, some countries are, are pushing to get their own native languages back into it again. So Molitva by uh, a Serbian singer was the last time, which was, I think, 2006 or so, so a good while back, um, when uh, we had a song that wasn't in English. And so a lot of, of the most recent ones are in English because they want them to go on to become international pop songs. And that's happened with the likes of Euphoria by Laureen and things like that. Tattoo from um, Russia. They were not in the Eurovision Song Contest. They, they were, were. No, they they did a, an interval act, I think, for uh, yeah, when, when yeah, Russia... They did the thing that they were famous for and they did it during the Eurovision. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah. that as... I thought it was their entry. Okay. No, when Russia hosted that year, and actually that's a fantastic year, that was Russia... It's the only time I've ever seen Russia sort of make fun of itself and, and take itself really lightly. They had a thing where they brought Tattoo out with the Russian Red Army Choir and pink inflatable tanks. And they did this kind of like... Like it was like a Pet Shop Boys video. It was this weird, like gay plus military thing that they did as an interval. It was very, very strange. But obviously, some gay snuck in and was like, "Aha, my one chance to make Russia the ludicrous gay thing it is." I think they might have actually turned into the badness like after that. Maybe they were maybe still, maybe yeah. that's what galvanized them to be yeah. the <laughs> sharish shits they are these days. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So so if this wins, it will be significant. It will be the first time in many many years that we've had a non English song win and. It would also be cool for it to be in Rome. It would be, uh, it's a long time since Italy have won. I mean, they used to win a lot back in the 60s and 70s, but it's a long time since since they, they've nabbed a place. And I think this would be quite a cool one. Nice. Yeah, I'm all about this song. This is, I might just add this to my Spotify playlist. There you go. Um, so I think the other, like, firm favorites this year, Hungary is worth a quick listen because, again, in the spirit, not quite as excessive as the Romanian one, but in the spirit of mixing uh, different kinds of, of ethnic sounds together. This is a kind of rap piece, but also using uh, Roma dancing. So there's a sort of a gypsy dancer with him and he's doing a sort of uh, native song style thing in with it. So it's a, a, it's a strange mix, but actually I quite like this one as well. And Hungary for the last few years have been putting in pretty good songs, of which I think this is one. So Hungary, again, this is the sort of the good version of what Romania did. This is taking something that's, you know, an old musical style associated with something else and then putting a pop beat onto it. And I think they've done a pretty good job. So this, again, is one of my favorites from this year. And it's appearing in the top kind of five or so in most of the betting websites. I think probably it will end up in the top five overall as well. Um, but again, it just it doesn't have the punch, I think, that it will take to get to the end. And I really think the one to beat is, is Italy. But the outside chance... It's not even that much of an outside chance, but the the most likely thing, if Italy don't win, is that Sweden will. And if Sweden win, as I said, they will then have seven wins. They will equal Ireland's record and will no longer be in any way special in the contest. And that will be very sad. Uh, So this guy is, uh, there's a very cool kind of nod to OK Go in this because they do a whole staging with uh, treadmills where all his dancers are doing cool things. But they're they're much sexier than OK Go. And uh, so they're just hot male models on treadmills in suits. And all those gays that I mentioned earlier will deeply appreciate this. Guys must be really hot because Donald's really desperate to see the screen this time, but none the others. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I think there's a very good chance. So basically, when in doubt, countries vote for Sweden. And this is a very obvious thing recently that, you know, Sweden have crept into loads of them. And often if there is a fight between two other countries, if, if it's close elsewhere, Sweden then just kind of comes up the middle. And this has happened a few times where, especially where Russia have been doing quite well. And then at the last moment, Sweden have kind of crept in there because there's someone, I think like Ireland used to be, where countries see them as a safe one to vote for if they're not sure. And so... You know, they, first of all, they do make great pop music, and this is good pop, I think. But also, they're they're not they're they're politically neutral, essentially. So it's kind of it's everyone okay loves to vote. the Swedes. Everyone loves the Swedes. They're just kind yeah, even people. Russia, even Russia, are kind of like oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, Russia. Have, have do Russia get to vote this year? No, they don't. No, they've left the contest, so they, they can't vote. They're not airing it. They oh, they've thrown the toys out of the pram completely. They're and just, do they have? Are they left like the entire organization? No, well, I think they're still technically in the EBU. I don't think they can leave that. I don't think they they would over Eurovision either. But um, no, they're they're just ignoring it. I'm sure they'll have, you know, an like ode to Putin on on the Saturday night instead of Eurovision. <laughs> I'm sure they won't air it. They'll, you know, but they've given out for many years. Like they, this is, it's no surprise that they've done this, and it's no surprise that they've they've kind of dropped out of it because it's been coming for a while. And as much I I loathe Russia, and I think that things they do are horrifically terrible, and I think that the Chechen stuff in particular is absolutely horrible. Um, but I don't think it was right in, in recent years that the people who were singing for Russia were booed as much as they were. And I think that those are not the people who are affecting the horrible regime stuff that's happening in Russia. And it was particularly the case a few years ago where there were two young girls who were singing for Russia. And, you know, they were it was a really good song they had. They had just a nice pop song and they were just two, I think they were 17 or 18 years old. And, you know, to be booed by 50,000 people at once is a pretty horrible thing for anybody to endure. And so yeah. as much as they represent a country where horrific things are going on, they're not the ones who should be booed for it. So I think it's again, it's part of that symbolic thing. Yeah, especially if they're 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 trying to inject some happiness and joy and some um, escapism. From yeah, that yeah. I mean they're part of a machine that put them there, and they're part of definitely a, a very uh, ofe Russian attempt to try and win. Russia really wants to win Eurovision so that it can stage it. Russia sees a lot of value in. Um, you know, being the winner so that they can stage back to Europe the things that they want to sort of show us that, you know, they're, they're really tolerant. At least they can't just buy it like they did with the World Cup and the Winter Olympics. They, they have tried before. I mean, Bribes. there's definitely, there was, there's accusations of bribery a few years ago, yeah, for them. Um, and they did, they threw a lot of money at it in the past. So they often, they, they've put in one where they had uh, an Olympic figure skater on stage uh, uh, during, I mean, there's no reason he would be there during a song, but he was just there skating during a song. Just because fuck it, they could afford that. Um, so yeah, they, this province gets no wet rations this year. We're we're exactly, going all out on exactly, the Eurovision. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't really mind that they're gone. Again, as I said, something like this that the gay community just fucking loves. They're not going to love Russia being in it anyway. So they're always going to be seen as the the bad guys. And there's something kind of pantomime about Eurovision as well. There's a lot of you know, as I said, it's jingoistic. You shout and you boo and you whatever. You know, it's it's the kind of thing that as you're watching it, you're waving your flags and you want a villain. You want somebody that you can boo, I guess. And I think. Russia has done that for a while, so they've sort of filled that role of being the place. Do you think Britain might be the villains this year because of Brexit? I really wonder about this, yeah. So, that I mean, I've heard several people say that the British song, which I don't think we should even listen to because it's so mundane and boring, <laughs> uh, is a lament for leaving Europe. <laughs> it's a sort of, it's a sad love song or whatever, and it's about somebody leaving. Um, but Sorry, a lot of people I gotta are, go, but you just didn't do the things <laughs> I wanted. <laughs> That's actually better than the song they've put in, Steve. So. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty dreary song. But yeah, I think a lot of people want to read into it and want to see it as a thing. I think Britain could actually get a shitload of votes by just pulling out an EU flag during it. I think if their singer broke with the rules and, you know, did anything that looked remotely pro-Europe whilst on stage. You're not allowed to do that? that? No, no, no. There's very strict rules about, um, again, appearing apolitical. It's so ridiculous. Like there's, you know, there's people who flaunt this completely. 
Um, a few years ago, Georgia put in, uh, put a song in called "We Don't Want a Put In." <laughs> See just, what they did. There? Just for the context, there, Georgia is another country that has suffered the wrath of Putin by it's getting amazing. invaded and losing a couple of its provinces. Uh, yeah, it's not just Ukraine or Chechnya or those yeah, other places. Yeah. yeah. Well, "We Don't Want a Put In" was actually seen for what it was, and that was disallowed from the contest. So that year, it was banned because, come on, that's not that subtle. Yeah, it wasn't that thinly veiled. Yeah, the the allusion to the Crimean Tatars was a, a better way of getting something political. In yeah, there. but I don't know, like in a song about an invasion of Crimea the year after the Crimea got invaded, is that not just as? Yeah, well, no. I mean, I, again, I think she she did a great job in historically contextualizing it and saying it was from a, a different uh, time yeah, and okay. reflective of something that was in the past or whatever. Um, but, you know, it was read for what it was and it won for that reason. It was very clearly the case. Um, and it bumped out Australia. Australia's biggest chance to win was last year. They had a fantastic song last year and it came second to this uh, Ukrainian song. And what they've put in this year is not as good. So unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be the case that our Hail Mary pass of Australia winning and giving it to Dublin is going to happen. I think we're, we're doomed probably to become joint winners with, with Sweden as they sweep in and take this or to see a man in a gorilla suit win. I'm totally happy with either. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards the gorilla. <laughs> of course you are. I actually take it back. Uh, this, the, the, the Italian song, that Hungarian gypsy song and the, the Swedes on their treadmills, they, okay, it is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It is. I yeah. hope it, World War Three doesn't get started because of it and it doesn't get banned. Well, if it does it. start, Eurovision will be the thing to fix it. It is. I mean, I, as much as I, I laugh about it and as much as it's a silly reason for a party, it's also... I mean, it, it's normalized a lot of things in Europe, particularly around uh, LGBT issues. I mean, a lot of people, you might remember this, Richie, will remember probably the first time they ever saw a transsexual person was Dana International, who won for um, Israel in, I think, 98, 99. Well, yeah. kind of what do you say, Rich, Richie? Uh, because he'll, he'll remember this, because a lot of people in Ireland talk about this. And remember, uh, Richie was born by then, was he? Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at me like Richie no, no, is only 11. I just He's, I also remember the beard and I was like, that does look a lot like Richie's beard. No, you're no, thinking of Conchita versus. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. I'm talking about so, the Austrian. Also, I mean, Conchita, okay, so that, that's a drag queen winning. That's a different thing, I guess. But yep. again, that being accepted in a lot of countries, that being the number one song on iTunes in Russia afterwards, as it was, you know, those are kind of things that, that the, the contest does at, at a secondary level that I think are very important. So, I mean, certainly for Dana International, when she won, that was the first time I'd ever even conceived of what a, a transsexual person was. I do remember was. that and, now as well myself. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was a very big deal at the time. And so it's, you know, it, it has normalized a lot of those kind of things. There was a fantastic marriage equality song sung by a lesbian from Finland a few years ago. There's been gay kisses on stage. There's been, you know, things like that that, you know, we feel are, are kind of everyday because we see them all the time. But you can imagine being quite a yeah. big deal when you're in Macedonia or Moldova mm. or places like that. Actually, I remember as well, didn't Finland put forward a, a, a band where all the members had Down syndrome pretty recently? They did. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, is that last year? It might even have been last year. I can't remember. But it was quite recently. Yes, I do remember that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you get, it's it's strange. It's, it's this place where you can kind of express whatever is the going concern of different countries at, at different times. And then they get this massive audience and they get this, you know, the, this huge unparalleled stage to do their thing. And so sometimes it's ridiculous, crazy gimmicks, but sometimes there are the crazy gimmicks that later become important linchpins of social change. So, you know, as, as ridiculous as it all is, it has a point that I would loathe to see, you know, go away. I don't think it's going to go away, don't know. I think it's pretty... Eurovision forever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Do we have a wrap-up in the previous wrap-up or do we want to say some concluding remarks? Well, I, I, thought, you I had something point? I thought we could end on because last time when you were on okay. the show, you were very upset that you didn't get to play a game. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> so what I did was to put a little bit of a Eurovision slant on fake news for real dudes. I'm calling it the fake news for real dudes, Eurovision Spectacular. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so excited. So what I did was I, I went through... Um, uh, there's a website which is like the official lyrics for all Eurovision entries over the past. It's like, <laughs> it's like an archive. Uh, because the the I think a lot of attention is put on the fanfare and the the spectacle and the literal glitter and sparkles that goes into the show. And there's probably not yeah. as much emphasis put on the lyrics and the words. I think with good reason, yeah. because I know some of these lyrics yes. and they're pretty so appalling. Yeah. What I've done is I've pulled a list of some of the most batshit crazy lyrics I could find. Oh, I love it. And this. mixed it with like some of my own. And you have to decide which okay. is real and which is fake. Ooh, Richie, okay. you're going all out here. This is great. I'm, yeah, That's this is very good. Well done. Okay, okay. So the first okay. one. Well, actually, no, wait. Let, let's let him do it first before we congratulate him. <laughs> this could be a total car crash. It could be. It could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, your ass has feelings. Your ass is a part of you. Don't put it on chairs. Your ass has a mind of its own. Yeah. No, this is this is not real. This is a Richie one. Nope, this is real. No, your ass has a mind of its own. Your ass has feelings. Your ass is a part of you. Don't put it on. Oh my god, it's amazing! Is this translated or was that so in English? This is translated. So the 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 website offers a translation service where they have it all um, put in English. But it's by Walkie Dime Popo, or Walkie Dime Popo is the song, uh, and it was sung by Track Shitters. Where are Track Shitters Shitters, from? S H I T T A Z. Do you remember them? Wow. I do actually. I th- I remember this going on at the time. Yeah, they, this was a sort of a like Ali G kind of fake yeah, rap thing. Yeah, it was thing Austria. Did, I think. Yes, Austria. Yeah. I believe it was Austria. Was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I didn't know. Okay, now it makes sense that your ass has a mind of its own. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Uh, Damn. Let's see. Let me pull up the next one. Uh, love repeated twenty two times. So just the word love sang twenty two <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a song every year that has that. That's completely unfair. Yes, I would say that probably is true. No, that's just me. Ah, Brilliant. (laughs) The time when uh, Sweden hosted recently, they did a a sort of a fake Eurovision song. So they showed like the formula for how to do a Eurovision song and they called it Love, Love, Peace, Peace. (laughs) And it's basically just them singing that with lots of gimmicks behind it. When I was writing this last night, um, I, I went back and forth over the amount of loves. Like I had 18 originally, <laughs> I was like, that, mm. and then I went down to like six, it's like, no, that's way too. Then I went up to like 39, it's like, no, it feels like it's too much. But 22 is probably netted out as like a balance of being believable, but also ridiculous. It is a believable number. Well yeah. done. That was good. Uh, okay, next one. I look over all the maps trying to escape because I'm tired of your sweet cheesecake. Oh, yes. Yeah, cheesecake is actually, this is uh, my, my housemate hates this song and I frequently play this just to annoy him. But yeah, cheesecake is a real song. Yeah, Belarus 2014. Yeah. Yeah, awful, awful yeah. song. You should put a clip of that in. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Sex with you passes by as fast as a spaceship enterprise. Wait, th- isn't that a quote from one of Donald's ex-boyfriends? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I think the enterprise part seems too suspect. Uh, I mean, it could be if it's translated. I don't, I, I'm going to say no. I, I, I think it sounds too strange. No, Austria, 1997. 
No wow. way! Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. I had originally written down here Steve's wife, then Austria 1997, but Steve made me <laughs> to a joke. I stole he the got joke. in there first. Yeah. Well done, Steve. Good job. Um, wow, that is terrible. That's, yeah. I mean, th this is the thing. They're, they're really awful songs. They're, you know, like the lyrics wise, most of them are, are pretty terrible. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's it. But who that's cares? It's so joyous. Thank you. I've, I've probably done the worst of anyone ever on that contest, I hope, because... No, Steve, Steve frequently oh, really? got them Steve all wrong. Excellent. Okay, good for you. I got one right, so that's okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, re I deeply appreciate you taking the time to do that. That's great. No problem. It was my pleasure. Uh, yeah, there's some weird-ass lyrics on that website. I'll link that in the show notes. That's the other thing. All of the songs we mentioned, I'm going to include um, them in the show notes, the YouTube versions, because the... The song is one thing, but a lot of the, the music videos and the live performance of these shows are something to behold. So they're all mm. in the show notes if you want, you guys want to check it out. I think you should end on a, a beautiful fade out of Waterloo by ABBA. I think that's just the right thing to... Yeah, instead to of our normal so theme music. <laughs> oh, sorry, that guy. Supermarket Love, right? Supermarket Love. Actually, that's yeah. what I see, see. Brilliant. This is because I listen to your show. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm that one listener that you have. <laughs> oh, thank so you. We appreciate it very much. Always <laughs> thanking Supermarket Love for the uh, theme song, um, which we often forget to do, but thankfully yeah. we don't remember. Yeah, thank you, Supermarket Love. Um, I'll actually include a SoundCloud, SoundCloud link to the entire full track in the show description, too, because it's, it's an absolute club banger and expect to see a clean up in next year's Eurovision. Excellent. Will you be doing the lyrics about cheesecake on top of it? Yeah. No, just love, yeah. love, just, love. Just sing the love, word love, love 22, love, 22 times. times. <laughs> Perfect. Actually, our, the, our theme music doesn't have like a, a, a song title. So I was wondering, Donald, could you come up with a appropriate Eurovision-esque title for that song? I think the word love 22 times is actually the title. <laughs> just go for that. Don't, don't change a thing. Perfect. You've already found the winning formula. Excellent. All right, Donald, thank you as thank ever. Thank you so much. Wait, before you go, um, thanks everyone for listening. Oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> we always forget the end. Thank yeah. you guys. It's not just us sitting in a room talking. People do listen. Thank you. And um, please help us get more listeners by liking and subscribing. Um, you can leave ratings on iTunes. That really, 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 really does help um, get other people to notice it. Um, we're on Twitter at WhatAmPolitics. And we have a recently rejigged website that Richie put his heart and soul into. Oh, so fuck, if you guys I forgot about to, that. Yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> and then I forgot to tell anyone about it. Uh, yeah, if you go to whatampolitics.com, we've, we've revamped the website. Um, so it's it's easier to go through and browse through our episodes. Um, Are there GIFs? Uh Come on, Dole. Oh, Richie, it's broken then. Come on, put some gifts on there. <laughs> That's what the Twitter's for. Yeah. Um, and we've also included a blog section to that where um, if, if you ever listen to this podcast and go, I like 50% this podcast, the 50% that actually teaches me things, then go read the blog because that's it's it's all of Steve's more you know, articulate thoughts and insight without me derailing him and going off on weird tangents. So check yeah, that it out feels, if you want. It feels really weird because I have to spend a lot of time actually thinking about politics and writing down like serious things. And I'm like, where's the funny? <laughs> There's no mention of Georgia Jones just, in this blog post at all. I need I need you to like draw over them and have that come up on the on the <laughs> website and like crayon or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Uh, cool. Is that it? Okay. Now we can say goodbye. Now okay. we can say goodbye. Bye. See you, Richie. Bye.